Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. God, as we bring this study of the Lord's Prayer to a close, we ask that you would would just continue to speak to us through your word, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would shape us and make us into who you want us to be. God, that we would not leave this place the same as when we came, that it would be your words that are heard and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, this morning we are concluding our study on the Lord's Prayer with a focus on an interesting part of scripture. Um, It's a portion of Matthew 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 13. And for those of you following along, they'll say, well, wait a minute, Matt, you've been pulling everything from the book of Luke. And I have, you're right. (laughs) But I needed to to switch today because uh, what do you say when, when we're done praying? We say amen. And, and if we are looking at the Lord's Prayer as it's spoken in, in the, the Gospel of Luke, uh, it actually stops at, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it's interesting because if we look at, at Matthew chapter 6, 13, uh, depending on what translation uh, you are reading from, it may stop there as well. <laughs> and certain translations, specifically the uh, New King James or the King James versions, uh, will specifically include, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And they, they don't necessarily include that if you're looking at an NIV or a NASB, or, or some of these other translations. And so that's the, the first thing that we need to talk about today is, well, how do we know what's right? How do we know what's true here? And, and basically the reason certain translations don't include this portion of, of uh, that verse is because it wasn't included in the original Greek manuscript. That, that was made available. It wasn't something that was included initially, but then after, a few years after, it all of a sudden was included all over the place. Very widely known and very widely accepted that this was something that was included, but it wasn't necessarily from that original writing. And so what we start seeing here is that maybe this second half of verse 13, if you will. They call it the doxology for a nice big church word. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Maybe it was included to kind of make it more of a worshipful ending. And and here's the, the question that I would ask, whether it was supposed to be included in this verse or not. Is it true? Absolutely. Absolutely, his is the kingdom. Absolutely, his is the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And so 
I'm not going to get hung up on whether or not it's, it's supposed to be part of the translation that we're reading today or not. That's for smarter people than me to, to have to deal with. But for today, we are going to lay aside the question of should it be here and recognize that in our everyday life, in the, the processes that we go through and the prayers that we bring to God, we, we end them with amen. And that's what we're going to do this morning, is we are going to, to end this study on the Lord's Prayer with amen. And it's, it's interesting because people pronounce the word amen two different ways, right? It's, there's amen, and there's amen. And I don't know why I never knew this. I feel like it's a, uh, a reflection on my, my lack of biblical education or something, but... Uh, Amen is when you say it, and amen is when you sing it. We all learned something today. <laughs> now, let's be clear. If you say amen, I don't care. <laughs> that, that's up to you. Do what you want to do. But that is the, the, the way that, it, uh, that historically it has happened. And, and so amen is something that shows up in church life all the time. It's, it's one of those church words. And if I was to ask somebody who hadn't just done a week-long study on what amen actually meant, you'd probably say, well, it probably means the end, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but Amen doesn't necessarily address, you know, some weird, like, abstract concept like love or transcendence or redemption or anything like that. It, it has nothing to do with that. If we look at Jeremiah 11, 1 through 5, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do according to all that I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God, that I may establish the oath which I have sworn to your fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey, as it is this day. And I answered, and I, being Jeremiah, answered and said, So be it, Lord. If you look at, at, I think it's chapter 27 in Deuteronomy, there's this list of like 13 different curses and blessings that are spoken over the people of Israel. And after every single one, they say, so be it, Lord. And if we translate that back to the original Hebrew, so be it is amen. The amen that we see coming from the prophet Jeremiah in the scripture. It's, it's so tempting to say that the so be it is about taking me into the, the land of milk and honey. The so be it is, is all of the blessing that God is going to, to give and show in my life. But the so be it is also about the curse. 
We can't expect blessing in our life without recognizing that there's also discipline and correction that comes. That in the midst of that blessing, there is correction, there is discipline that that shapes and molds us. It's not an accident that this illustration of a potter is used. A potter breaks down and and reshapes and molds in an uncomfortable process. So be it. We are an heir to the promises of God. We've talked about it before that that all of God's promises are yes and amen, that, that so be it. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, it is our responsibility to say amen to the hard things as well as the good things. Maybe there's a calling to sacrifice. God, I don't, I don't like sacrifice. Maybe there's a, a calling to, to lay down your rights, and guess what? That's not a maybe. Maybe we're, we're called to lay down the, our rights and lay down our pride and, and lay down all of the things that we hold so closely. Amen. So be it, Lord. I give up the things that, that I call my own for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of new life that comes from you. There's a very difficult question that we get to ask ourselves and that we, we should be asking ourselves on a daily basis. Do you love God for his provision in your life or do you love God for who he is? It's okay to be grateful, to be thankful for God's provision in his life, but that should not be the thing that draws us. That should not be the only reason that we are seeking after that relationship is is to get more in our life. Do we worship only when we are feeling alive, when we are are feeling rejuvenated? Or do we reciprocate the love of Christ back to him even when we are feeling broken, even when we are feeling downtrodden, even when things are difficult? Are we still being worshipers even in that time? That's what Jeremiah is talking about. That's the, the time that Jeremiah is talking about. It is in the midst of the, the curse, in the midst of the correction and the discipline, are we still being worshipers saying, so be it, Lord, or are we waiting to, to, for the, the grass to get a little bit greener on this side of the fence? Are we being fair weather fans When we look at at these words, for yours is the kingdom. For yours is the power and the glory. 
If we look at, at the Lord's Prayer, it focuses on the, the power and the majesty of God. When we, we look back at, at the, the study that we have done, we look back at the, the weeks that we have been involved in this process of, of learning how to pray. We started out with two words. Our Father. And, and just like I said at that, that first week that we, we came to this passage in Scripture, the first week is we can't go any further until we recognize and we, we truly take hold of the fact that we are praying to our Father. A Father who loves us. A father who wants the very, very best for us. A father who holds the kingdom and the power and the glory, not just back in the day and not, not just for today, but yesterday, today, and forever. Our father in heaven wants the best for us. And, and because he wants the best for us, we're able to come, we're able to pray. If we look at the, the content of what we pray, the, the instruction that we see here is that it's not about us. The, the focus of our prayer is, is about God. And, and when we, we come back with this final prayer of saying that yours is the glory, yours is the, the kingdom and the power and, and the glory forever and ever, so be it, Lord. It's refocusing us back away from the, the needs that exist in our life. And you say, Matt, I have needs. There are things in my life that are not working the way that they should be working. And God knows that. God is actively interested in being a part of the solution to every single problem that you have. But isn't it so much more effective when we realize that God, the God that wants to be that solution in those issues, has all the power, all the glory, forever and ever and ever. So be it, Lord. Whenever there was a momentous event that was on the horizon, if we look through the Gospels, whenever there was going to be a time where the, the faith of the disciples was going to be challenged, God gave them a, a glimpse of his power, a glimpse of his might, a glimpse of his glory. Shortly after Jesus predicted his death to the disciples, he said, I'm, I'm going to go 
die in Jerusalem. He took Peter, James, and John, and he took them up to a mountaintop. And when he took them to that mountaintop, he was transfigured. The glory of God shone on him. And through that interaction, these three disciples became the core of the early church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the the ultimate demonstration of God's glory and his, his kingdom and his majesty and his victory over the forces of sin and death in the grave. The the resurrection is a a source of hope. When we sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, every fear is gone. Every hardship has lost its power. And it doesn't mean that those things don't exist. Those things, those things are still present in our life, but they have no control over me. When we say amen, we say, yes, this is true. In the, the Lord's Prayer, we're asking for different things to happen, that, that we would live and bring honor to God's name. That our, our lives would be God's kingdom. We've talked multiple times about God sitting on the thrones of our hearts and how easy it is for us to to climb up on that chair like a three-year-old and sit down like we're so important. Sometimes I, I, I think about that, like the, the three-year-old that has to like climb up on their mom or dad's bed and, and they're grabbing the sheets to kind of hang on and they, they finally make it up and they sit and they're, they're so proud of what they've done. Sometimes that's how I feel when, when I'm sitting on the throne of my life is I am so unqualified to be here. The fact of the matter is I am so unqualified to be the person running my life and it, it would work so much better if I just let God do it. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, God, we want your will to be done in and through us. We want your will to manifest itself in in the actions that that come from my life. I want your will to to be seen in the words that I speak, in the relationships that I have. I, I want to see your will be done. God, I, I want to see you provide for my life. I want to see you provide for my children. I want to see you provide for my spouse. I want to see you provide for the friendships that that exist in my life. I want to see you provide with your daily bread that sustaining provision that sometimes I am so tempted to, to take over on my own that I'm so tempted to plan for, to to try and take care of. But God, I want to see you provide that daily bread. 
We ask that God would forgive us and give us the will and the ability and and maybe even the desire to forgive other people as well. We ask that God would protect us. That God would protect us from temptation, that he would protect us from evil. And and knowing that that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't going to be tests that exist in our life. There aren't going to be times of trial that we have to work through. But God, we ask that you would go with us in those times. And we end those requests by saying amen. So be it, Lord. Our Father in heaven, so be it. It is true. Hallowed, holy is your name. So be it. It's true. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, here in this place, in this time, in this moment, in these four walls, in my heart. So be it. Give us today our daily bread, our provision, everything that we need. So be it. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You can do that, and we, we proclaim that you can by saying, so be it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Protect us, God. Keep us safe. And we proclaim that by saying, so be it. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. So be it. God answers prayer. God answers prayer not because of who I am. God answers prayer not because of who any of you are or how eloquently you said the prayer that you needed to say. God answers prayer because of who God is. There is a time where another disciple asked Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus said, don't, don't pray in public, but go into the, the secret place, into your quiet place. And what you, you pray in secret what you proclaim, what you, what you speak to God in secret will become public, will, will come into reality. When we come to the end of this study, my prayer is that, that we will recognize that, that prayer is a transforming piece of our relationship with Christ. 
And as we come to this time of close on this study, as we, we come to this time of transition, that we would have a clear understanding of what it means when we say amen. When we are all praying together, it's an opportunity for us to, to join together and to, to recognize that God answers prayer. And, and when we all say amen at the end of a prayer, we're not just saying it because that's the, that's the nice traditional thing that we're supposed to say. When we all say amen at the end of a prayer, we are all proclaiming, so be it, God. We're all coming together saying, God, the, the thing that has been proclaimed in our midst, we, we want to see come about when we, we come expecting you to move in the lives of your people because you have promised to do so. Heavenly Father, God, we have, have come to this time and, and we have asked the same question that your disciples have asked. Lord, teach us to pray. God, we thank you for your instruction. We thank you for your word that is alive. And God, as we, we wake up in the morning with the, the first words on our lips, be God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, move in my life this morning. Move in my life as, as I go about the, the tasks of my day. Direct my steps, guide me to who you would have me speak. So be it, Lord. God, we, we come this morning and we recognize that there are needs that exist in this church. God, there, there are needs that exist for every single one of us here this morning. And as we bring those, those concerns to you, as we bring those, those points of, of care that exist in our life, we come expecting you to move. And, and in proclaiming amen, we voice that expectation. God, we come and, and we expect you to move in areas of healing, in areas of restoration, Lord, where, where there needs to be mending. We, we proclaim, so be it, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you that, that through your word, you are shaping and changing and molding us into who you would have us be. We ask that it, it would not stop after this one hour time that we spend together, God, but it would continue as we go throughout our week. God, that we would be mindful of the interactions that we have with you. We ask it in Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 